I didn't see you there. Would you guys like to set sail on this ocean of flavor with me? I'll be your captain. I'm Steve Harrington. And I'm Colin. And I'm Whitney, and this is Scoops Ahoy, a Stranger Things podcast, where we go week by week, chapter by chapter, taking a single look at, or taking a look at every single episode of Stranger Things. And you all know the drill. We've done it. <laughs> We're here. We're Let's here. Just get going, right? Yeah. So, we, yeah, we we're going to talk about episode. this week. We're going to talk about the original um, show Bible that the Duffers put together to pitch their show originally before it was even a thing, before um, Sean Levy and his, you know, 21 Laps company, you know, got into it and, and before it went to Netflix and anything. This is how they went to producers and said, hey, this is the kind of show we have in mind. And then once they did that, then they put together a script for the pilot episode. So we're going to talk about those two things and how things changed and how things kind of stayed the same and that kind of stuff. So question. Yes. Does every pilot, like when they're pitching something, do they put something together like this? I don't know, honestly, because I think what happens nowadays more often is they'll just do a pilot. Um, like they know, just, but yeah, but they have yeah. to have like directors and stuff. Yeah. Right? But I, I, I think it's a case where a script will land on someone's desk and they say, Ooh, that's a good script. Let's green light that. Let's get some actors together and, mm -hmm. and put it together. I think this was, these guys were so um, kind of new to the business at the time because they had done, I think they had done wayward pines at this point. Um, was that the show they did? I think it's called wayward pines. I think. Wayward Pines um, is a show. I didn't know they did it. Yeah, I, they did. Uh, they did a couple episodes of that, or wrote a couple episodes of that. I think, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and and this was just such a unique kind of thing, and and it was kind of you know their you know brainchild for years, and it was something that they were kind of really passionate about, and they had really strong ideas about how it was. It's not the same as you know, you know, let's do a sitcom at a bar set in boston with a washed up pitcher and, and yeah. a mailman and a guy that sits in you know i think it yeah. was more you know it was it was obviously and we'll get into it up you know as we talk about it obviously very steeped in you know influences from stephen king to steven spielberg to you know all that kind of stuff so they had a very clear idea of what they wanted it to be and it was it was kind of a unique idea and it was i don't think it's something that they kind of they could have synopsize in a paragraph to a producer mm -hmm. you know at a pitch meeting or something like that so yeah um short answer is i don't know but i don't think so i don't think okay. I, I think this was kind of unique so uh but before we get to that we should talk a little bit about kind of news from the stranger things world because it's 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 starting a little bit you know the little bit the, the deep dark void lot. is is only really dark <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> we say this every week but yeah, yeah. But since the last time we talked, we had the uh, the, the black and white cast photo, which was kind of cool. And everybody, you know, seeing what everybody mm -hmm. looks like. Uh, we've also heard that Eddie's not back or has not gotten a phone call. Uh, Argyle, has Argyle. Not, Argyle has not gotten a phone call. Eddie has yeah. not gotten a phone call. Um, we don't know. Argyle shocked me. Yeah, that is kind of surprising. I like, mean, unless, you know. I get just, it. Like he's, if they're really going to focus on, you know, like the main kids. Yeah. I get it, but I'm also like, how did he get back home? Yeah. Just drive just his pizza truck back? Drove his pizza van back home, yeah. 
Um, haven't heard anything on Ted, Holly, Enzo, Owens. Those are kind of the main four that haven't been confirmed. Everybody else is well, either in I the feel like or whatever, but they've literally never confirmed Ted or no, Holly. No, I don't, I don't think they're big enough to worry about, but Karen no. was confirmed, obviously. So, yeah. And then, um, somebody asked Paul Reiser on Twitter if he's back for season five, and he was very vague, said something like, you know, I guess we'll just have to watch and find out or something like that. So he didn't say no, but he also didn't say yes. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we've started to get a couple pictures. Ross put some up on his Instagram. We'll include a link to it. If you guys aren't following it already, although I assume you are. Um, and we've seen a couple production photos uh, from the first couple of weeks. So, um, but big news in the trailer world, unrelated to stranger things, you know, mostly, is the new the new Ghostbusters trailer came out today, which was Monday, but you know, by the time but it there is a movie that can get me into the theaters, it is Ghostbusters. It looks really fun. I'll, we'll post a it link to that too so you guys so can see it if you haven't. But obviously Finn is front and center in it and um and he gets slimed, which was which was really fun too, oh, yeah. to, to kind of see. So that was that was really slimer neat. action back. Yeah, yeah, I actually loved the last one and I did too. That yeah. Was pr- I think that was the first movie I saw, like post COVID. Yeah, it was the first movie I saw in the theater. Yeah, I think so. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was really funny. It was great seeing everybody back for it. And this one actually looks even funnier. It looks like it's, you know, they kind of hit Uh, their groove. Yeah, I sobbed in the first one. That's, yeah. Like it was so (laughs) nostalgic. And like, I don't know, it broke my heart seeing like all my favorite characters, like they've aged. Yeah, all Bill Murray, especially. Oh, Oh, gosh. It like, it like really upset me. Like Evie and Mike looked at me like, what is wrong with you? This is not a movie you cry in. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, no, it, it looks really good. So we'll post a link to that so you guys can see that. So, um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into this and we'll, we'll kind of start with the show Bible. Cause that, that's what came first for the Duffers anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously by now, by now we all know that it was originally called Montauk. They were setting it on Montauk, which is a real town at way at the very end, Eastern tip of Long Island. They had originally pitched it as an eight-hour standalone sci-fi horror epic, in their words, uh, set in 1980, heavily influenced, according to the Bible, by, and they call out by name, E.T., Poltergeist, Jaws, It, and Stand By Me. And then they mentioned Spielberg and Stephen King by name. So obviously those, you know, those were the the heavy influences. Uh, They decided to base it on Camp Hero, which is a real... Uh, former military installation in Long Island. It has since been decommissioned. Um, And this is one of those things that always kind of pops up in the ghost hunters and the unsolved mysteries and all that kind of stuff. So I'll include a couple links. There's a, there's a YouTube video and there's a New York post article um, that you guys can read up on. Just take them with a grain of salt. I'll just, I'll just say that. I'm, I'm sure you can figure out where I stand on these things, but you know, I'll let you, you guys can. Colin guys is the can... biggest skeptic in the entire world. You'll never convince him of anything. Whereas <laughs> I'm like, but maybe. It's possible. They were actually doing mind control experiments on children. Who knows? Um, what happened to those children though? Why don't we know more? I don't know. Maybe Why haven't abducted... I looked into this more, to be honest? They were abducted by aliens, of course. Duh. Um, so uh, anyway, let's let's actually get into the actual um, Bible, and this is this is kind of interesting. I'm not going to go through every single thing, mm-hmm. um, but I just picked out a couple things that were that I thought but were interesting. Can we talk about how much darker it is? It's very, it's a lot darker, and then the pilot script also. What I noticed right off the bat um, was also very dark and also very profane. There was a lot more language yeah. in it, which we can mm-hmm. get to when we get there. 
Um, but yeah, so I think it actually kind of calls for calls for some of the, the spooky music. Because they talk about one of the opening paragraphs is the cancer that is caused by the terror, the, the rip mm-hmm. that they called it, will manifest itself in increasingly bizarre paranormal ways. Electrical fields will be disrupted. Strange fungi will grow on structures and people. A heavy fog will drift in from the Atlantic. The temperature will plummet. Food will rot. Gravity will fluctuate. People will glimpse bizarre entities in their homes and businesses. There will be an escalating number of vanishings. So, I mean, like, you know, it's just kind of, it's a little crazy. Um, uh, yeah, it's a lot. And the, like, and I would be excited to watch this. Yeah. It would, but it, like, I want someone else to make this show. Like, right. I don't want them to mess with Stranger Things, but I would like right. to watch this show too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, a couple of those things, I, like fungi yeah. growing on people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then you see, like, things in your... Like, this show would be terrifying. Oh, it would be, yeah. Very much more horror, and Mm -hmm. I don't think at all as focused on the nostalgia. Because I didn't really get that Mm. sense, actually, even reading the pilot script. No. That they were really kind of playing up the whole nostalgia. And I know a lot of that comes with the set decoration and the costumes and, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, And we don't really get too much, you know, thoughts about the music. We'll get to that when we get there. But, um, yeah, it it was a much different show. Um, so I, I don't know if that was, and I suspect Sean Levy, Levy, I can't remember how to pronounce it, um, had, had a role in it. Um, cause it was, it obviously he became, you know, the executive producer and it was, you know, his production mm-hmm. company behind it. So I don't know if he kind of softened it a little bit or kind of made it more fun and more kid friendly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was kind of an interesting thing to read. And then they talked a little bit about the casting. Um, they were envisioning either Ewan McGregor or Sam Rockwell for Hopper. It kills me. No yeah. way. Neither of them. And then either Naomi Watts or Marissa Tomei for Joyce. I mean, um, maybe maybe Marissa if it was set in Long Island. Yeah, because it was a I Long Island thing. But yeah, yeah. But otherwise, absolutely not. Neither yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, then they go on to say the horror in Montauk is supernatural, but rooted in science, dark matter, black holes, wormholes, alternate universes, string theory. We want to use the mathematics of theoretical physics to ground our horror in reality. And then they also wanted to talk about abuse, divorce, violence, cruelty, substance abuse, depression, death. Our characters will struggle with the darkness of the human condition. Hey, you guys want to be depressed? Yeah. Watch this show. Yeah. <laughs> like- I mean, good Lord, abuse, <laughs> divorce. We got some abuse. I know. We got some divorce. We got some violence, but, you know, substance abuse, depression. I, I mean, mean, Hopper did have substance abuse, but it wasn't really, you Yeah. Know. And, you know, depression, I mean, it's just, it, just the way it's worded there is, you know, it's 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 a mm. much different, much different idea. So then they get into the characters, which I thought was also interesting because Mike um, was defined as with his birthmark on his left cheek yeah. leading to much bullying and near crippling insecurity. That went away. Right. Lucas was Lucas Conley, not Lucas Sinclair. And he was the comic relief with wealthy parents who were divorced and he, that he and it was said that he was going to grow more angry and destructive as the show went on. Will was struggling with sexual identity issues, uh, making you know his innocent choices such as colorful clothes, um, proving a constant source of bullying. Dustin was the king geek, overweight, with glasses, two parents, um, and often bickers with Lucas. So those are the four main kids. Have you ever read um, Summer of Night by 
I don't Shoot. think so. Doesn't sound familiar. It is. I read it because someone compared it to it. It is. It has a similar type setting, but these characters sound almost identical to the characters in that book. Like. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it, it sounds the, a lot like you know Richie Tozier and you know some of the kids from yeah you know, it too. Well, like, but like Dustin, especially like, there's one kid that like that is exactly like I how I would describe him in yeah. Summer of Night. Yeah, and I just I'm glad that they went the way that they did. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know the 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 you know they're not too far off. I mean, Lucas, you know, well, wait till we get to Mister Clark. Yes, and then <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> But I mean, it kind of feels like Lucas kind of morphed into Dustin and Dustin kind yes. of King, you know, the King geek and the overweight kind of thing kind of dropped off in the glasses. And, you know, and I think, he, some of that, uh, yeah, he's definitely the comic relief over yeah, Lucas. I think some of that, but I don't know, because Lucas picks it up in season three. I feel like Lucas is. He does. Also yeah. But I think, yeah. you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of evolves. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it evolved because of the actors cast too. When they, oh, when I'm they, sure. When they found Gaten, they're like, yeah screw it it's mm -hmm. not gonna be an overweight kid with glasses i mean this is this is a fun kid right. we can we can work right. with this. so um other quick notes jonathan worked at a movie theater we never really found out in season one where he did work he just said that he picked up extra shifts and stuff so apparently he i don't know if they kept it at that or just wanted to be oh there, yeah we just didn't talk about theater. it um hopper's daughter did die sarah but died at a car mm -hmm. accident um not from medical you know cancer conditions or whatever and then, yeah, so we get to Mr. Clark, who is described <laughs> as a rock star, charming, handsome, the closest thing our series has to Indiana Jones, and he will ultimately help our characters breach the tear in Act 3. So, obviously, Mr. Clark became Hopper. Yes. Like, they just kind of melded. They, I feel like they created a different, just a completely different character for Mr. Clark, and they yeah. gave all that to Hopper. Yeah, because Hopper was described pretty close to what he is you know kind of the reluctant police chief you know mm -hmm. struggling with you know his you know addiction and all that kind of stuff but but yeah they kind of you know yeah they, they kind of picked pieces and stuff from there and then the biggest one that i thought well i guess mr clark's probably the biggest but then the other big one was terry ives oh yeah who was male first of all mm -hmm. Uh, an antisocial hermit with the looks of a serial killer, a conspiracy nut, initially derided, but might make a friend or two along the way. And I was just wondering if this is kind of what evolved into Murray. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It kind of, it kind of, you know, and then Terry Ives kind of became, obviously, you know, who she became. But because um, Murray pops up in season one, doesn't he? No, he's season two, I think. Boy, I thought Murray popped all, up in all, season they one. Kind of, they all kind of blend together for me. I know. I but know I thought he popped up in season one now. in the police station, or they mention him. I think they mention at some him. point. Yeah. And there and he and he's like so in the uh flow tells Hopper. Yeah, I'm pulling it up because I'm thinking he came in. Yeah, it's season two. He came in. Because season two is when he did show up at the police station um in the first episode of season two i that's, wonder if they mention him in season one or something i don't know like I, I don't remember it happening but i won't i won't say it happened i did didn't happen so but yeah so terry kind of huh. became the murray character and then you know terry became mm -hmm. her own thing once they went with that whole storyline so and then originally they they had pitched it as kind of like it you know and, and the movies you know did with it as being you know having a sequel set 10 years later and then they would have to recast everyone and the kids would come back and join forces to you know fight the bad guys i would be so stuff, afraid so. to pitch that i'd be like it's it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah 
So that kind of takes us through the Bible. We'll get to the all the emails at the end. You know, when we get to the emails, you know, people, can, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about both at the same time. So, so then we get into the pilot episode, and it starts with the opening titles, and it gets more into this conspiracy conspiracy theory about Camp Hero, um, talking about how it's a former military base that spans 276 acres in 1972. Alleged uh, series of top secret experiments began to take place. Then in December 1980, it was shut down for undisclosed reasons. It was actually shut down in January of 1981. That kind of went down the whole Camp, we- Camp Hero wormhole for a while. Well, um, yeah, because we're not going to let anything go on this podcast without no. calling, double checking, <laughs> making sure it didn't happen in real yes. life. And to this day, its records remain classified. <laughs> so, See? Yeah. Why is it classified, Colin? I know. I know. Because of aliens. No, because they don't want people to know about all the mind the mind control experiments. Yes, with the ch- with the children. Um, so then we get into Act One, and this is obviously you know it's still one of my favorite scenes in the whole series with the with the lab guy running through the halls, but it's a lot more dark. And yeah, a lot this would more not graphic. be your favorite scene. No, if this if it happened this way. No, they're talking about the hazmat suit is melting off his body. We can see some skin beneath. It is burned, shredded, and bloody, and his entire left arm is missing. And then he dies um, just there on the floor instead of, you know, presumed dead, you know, from the from what we see in, in the actual show. And then they actually show more of the lab and there's a fire burning and all that kind of stuff. And then I thought it was really neat. And this was this was, would have been a kind of a neat transition because the sprinklers turn on to put out the fire and that transitions into the sprinklers that we do get in the show in the Wheeler's front yard, which is yeah. which is which is kind of a neat thing. So. Um, they are playing their Dungeons and Dragons in Mike's room, not in the basement. They've been playing for seven hours, not as not 10 as they do in the show. And then what I thought was an interesting little twist is that in the script, Lucas, not Dustin, is the one that goes up to Nancy's room. Um, and he just goes to presumably say hi. He doesn't have pizza or anything in the script. And I thought it was really interesting how they wrote Nancy's reaction because in the pilot script, Nancy was much more rude and, you know, get mm-hmm. out of my room all in capitals and exclamation point and slams the door as opposed to when you watch the show, she kind of has like this quirky little smirk on her face. I mean, she's still not pleased and she still closes the door on. Yeah. On but Dustin. she's not like a total jerk about yeah, it. Like, I mean, she not, is, but yeah. she's, it's just a teenager, right, <laughs> like teenage right. girl. Uh, then we also don't get, will admitting to mike uh in the garage that he actually did roll a seven and the demogorgon got him which i think was kind of a neat little twist in the actual show when they did it the x-men um comic uh numbers changed it was x-men uncanny 269 in the script and then um which actually didn't come out until 1990 um not x-men 134 which fits much better because it actually has kind of the telekinetic girl storyline going Mm -hmm. on it with dark phoenix and then there was just a whole bunch of stuff throughout that was just because of the setting, you know, Will is rushing up the dunes back to his house as opposed to rushing through the woods. And there's a lot of, you know, sand and beach and all that kind of stuff just because of where it takes takes place. Yeah. Um, and then the whole bit with the Demogorgon chasing Will, um, Will actually sees the Demogorgon walk into the shed. It doesn't kind of appear behind him and, you know, turn around and, and he's just sitting there staring at him. And then his ears start bleeding, his nose starts bleeding. So it's a lot more violent, a lot more graphic, um, and a lot more bloody kind of right off the bat. And that's coming right out of the whole lab scene. So um, that is act one. And I also thought it was kind of interesting that they kind of split it into the acts. 
in the pilot episode because it was again i was like is this how everybody pitches shows so i was i just went with it yeah i don't i don't i don't think that is because i think they just they would just normally switch you know locations Mm -hmm. you know they would go from the house to the beach to the you know whatever so so then we get an act two which is where you know and and that's where that's where the opening credits happen between act one and act two uh so then we get to hopper they say he's living in a shack like house um, which I think may have kind of transitioned to into his cabin eventually, as opposed to the you know the trailer. Why, why does Hopper have two houses? Yeah, the little shack in the woods and the and the mobile home. Yeah, yeah, he's got his cabin. Like, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's hunting. He likes hunting. He's got like a little maybe, deer camp. But he or takes something. his lady yeah. friend to the cabin. Yeah, so uh, they have a a uh, a picture of his family with him and his wife and sarah as opposed to the drawing that is the first thing we see when we get to his house and then the alarm is what wakes him up in the script instead of you know the dog barking um like in the show then we go to the buyer's house and this is where you kind of start noticing the language right off the bat there are actually nine occasions of the f-bomb word in the script of people saying it um, which is so much more it just reminds me of marissa tomei like in um Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, what is the movie and then that we, she's in? Where she's the lawyer? My cousin Vinny. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's not until uh season six of episode uh, season three, episode six. Where Billy says um, it. Where Billy says it that we get the first F bomb in the actual series. So I mean it was a whole three seasons. And I don't later, even remember what one. I don't even remember when he says it. Like yeah, I know it was, it was something, you know, it was like I'm I'm gonna F and um, you know. I keep thinking got you like a fish kind of like like scream but it's something along yeah. those lines um joyce is described as being in his late 30s hopper is described as being in his early 40s which would kind of that's the make, same right well i don't know because i kind of got the impression they were in the same year at school um oh yeah that's a good point oh you're right that. yeah um and then so then we go to middle school and we have the bullying scene with troy and those guys and they're obviously making fun of mike's birthmark as opposed to the whole frog face toothless you know midnight thing which wasn't mentioned and then there was like a really quick little bit where mike sees and is all googly eyes over jennifer hayes who which we get mention of jennifer hayes as we meant yeah she's the she's the cute little blonde girl at the funeral that is planning mm-hmm. for will so um, they kept her character in there, but, you know, as opposed to, you know, Mike doing it. Then we switch to the high school. Nancy pulls up in her car in the script and she um, is listening to radio static or radio. Um, and it's Queen's crazy little thing called love. And this was really interesting, too, because there were only two songs mentioned in the pilot script. One is that um, their, you know, crazy little thing called love by Queen is playing uh, on her radio that becomes staticky. Uh, and then Call Me by Blondie is mentioned uh, later as playing when they're on the beach party uh, later. But those are the only songs that are mentioned in the in the original script. Um, she goes into the bathroom with Steve after he drops her the note in the locker. And she asks him if he's been drinking, which is a whole new kind of twist. Um, like at school? Yeah. Like it, that morning when she goes into the bathroom, she's like, oh, my Steve. God, Steve, have, have you been drinking? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then he invites her to the bonfire as opposed to, you know, deciding on doing a study date later, which was, which was also interesting. So, or is not his, his weird house with the heated pool in November. Exactly. It was a, it was a weird beach in November. If I ever talked to the Duffers, I'm going to have to ask yeah. them. <laughs> How did you do that? And why? why? I'm going to yeah, say, why yeah. was there a pool? Why was it open? Right. In November. 
in November. In Indiana. Yeah. Um, no. So we get to the police station and Flo is telling Hopper about all the things that have gone on in the night. And that that dialogue changed a little bit. Uh, and then she added a line also about how Terry Ives called again, yammering about some more activity at last night at Camp Hero. I swear there is a line like that about Murray at some point. And I want to say it's season one. Mentioning Not him by name it. or or yes. just the just the because I mean I have I have all the scripts here. So I mean I can I can just kind of search for we his can name look at it later. It's not that see, important. Um, but I swear. And um, I don't know if no if she says for sure his name, but I remember thinking, oh, like, oh, that was a weird tie-in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll look I'll look in a second while we're doing that. And then, you know, much to your dismay, I'm sure. The line is not included in the original pilot script. Warnings are for coffee and contemplation. Chief, she's coffee your- and contemplation. Flo. Yeah, not there. I feel like he he ad libbed that. I want to uh, say yes. he came up with that on his own. I would. I that would, is I the would genius of David Harbour. I'm I'm gonna go with it. So yeah, uh, the first time Murray is mentioned by name is in episode one of season two. So. He may have been referred to as I'm gonna find it. A lunatic or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably time for me to go back and do an 18th or 19th rewatch at some point here. So I'll, I can't. I'll, I can't. Yeah. I've got listen, I am what time is it? I have got one hour and no. Why can't I? Three hours and 17 minutes until my next Sarah J. Mass book comes oh, out. Oh, that's right. And, it's Sarah J. Mass am, Day. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. So nice. I am literally like checking my phone to see if it's like on my Audible app okay. yet. All right. So we'll just blow through this. There was a lot of other differences. There were a couple <laughs> yes. emails. So we'll be back in a month. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Got to get to SGM, guys. Yeah. That was it. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um. Okay. So then we go into Hopper's office. There's a couple little minor changes with dialogue when he's meeting with Joyce, um, which I thought were kind of fun. You know, the whole bit about him screwing Chrissy Carpenter in the back of the boat became, you know, in the back of his Oldsmobile. Uh, Lonnie is in Philly instead of Lonnie in Indy. And the seagull attacked Eleanor Gillespie instead of an owl. But that's all just kind of geographic stuff. And then we get kind of an extended scene with the lab agents. Um, Agents one and two is what they're called. There's no Brenner at this point. Um, in the show, Brenner arrives, they meet him outside, they get in the hazmat suits, they walk through the halls, they see the rift, um, and talk about the girl. And then in the, in the actual script, it's agents one and two. There's a lot more dialogue. There's a longer scene. They're picking up body parts. They see the isolation tank and walk past it. They went through the surveillance tape. They see the monster on the surveillance tape and they rewind it. And then they mention 11 by name. So it was a whole different, different kind of vibe. And of course there was no Brenner at that point. So. Uh, then act three starts, we get to Benny's L is described as being in a gown splattered in blood, as opposed to just a little dirty with, you know, with the tear at the bottom, it's Benny's fish and fry instead of not, instead of Benny's burgers, L gets raw fish instead of French fries. Um, uh, and then this will come back later in a big way. There's a Rottweiler that Benny has. So he has his own dog. Oh uh, no. Oh yes. Um, so that's a whole nother kind of aspect that, you know, we'll, we'll come back later. So then we get to the classroom with Mr. Clark. Um, there's no bit about the Heathkit ham shack. So there's no talk of, you know, do you eat kangaroos for breakfast and all that kind of stuff. These just, they're just talking about uh, Cosmos and, and Carl Sagan. And that's when the principal comes in and says he needs to talk to the boys. 
Um, so yeah, there's no, there's no radio at this point. There's no Hawkins AV club, any of that kind of thing. Uh, then we go back to Benny's. There, there's no Castle Buyers flashback scene. Remember when Joyce comes and says she has the poltergeist tickets and says we're out of gas to get in. Yeah. The whole scene is not there. Um, and then Benny, um, to kind of report L, calls Flo first and then, you know, calls social services. And then an L is annoyed by the squeak of the door as opposed to the squeaky fan. Um, and then there's no scene um in the show there's the scene there where you have the surveillance the people in the headphones listening to all the phone calls mm -hmm. and that scene's not in there that's when she's calling lonnie so that scene's gone and then in the next scene um hopper gets to the buyer's house to kind of help look for will he sees that the rifle is missing he sees the fingerprints and kind of the sawdust on the workbench then he hears the growl. Hopper actually sees the Demogorgon in the shed. His ears start bleeding. He gets so freaked out, he opens his bottle of pills and empties them on the ground. And then we what see- What would that do? We see, I think, I don't know. He was like, maybe the drugs are making him a little bit- Oh. Weaker, so he's getting rid of his drugs. And then we see black mold on the wall and it's spreading and that whole thing. So that's a much darker and a much more different scene with Hopper actually seeing the Demogorgon right off the bat. Which yeah. You know kind of takes away all the mystery and it, what is going on and you know that whole thing so then we get to act four which starts in the wheeler house and i was very happy to see that this is still here i hope you're enjoying your chicken ted yes that line yes let's i hope you're enjoying your chicken <laughs> ted so that line was in the script and made it to the show so that's good um then we get into the woods when they're looking we find out that hopper was the class of 58 which is where it, it kind of tracks with where we knew in clark uh, Mr. Clark was in the class of 62, so they never went to school together, but, you know, so so we know that. And then we get back to the Wheeler house, and instead of Steve shimming up the drain pipe as Mike's leaving to go look for Will, Nancy is sneaking out because she is going to the bonfire on the beach. So we don't get that whole, mm. um, we don't get the whole strip studying, you know, scene and all that kind of stuff. But first, we get back to Benny's, and Elle um, reads benny's mind and, and notices the tattoo on his arm that says tommy and knows that that is benny's brother so she points to it and goes that's your brother um and then so then executioner connie fraser walks in and also kills the and this is why if it had gone this way i would never have watched it yeah so we would have lost whitney 20 minutes into the whole show and we would yeah. never even be here people because you guys wouldn't even have this podcast oh. so be thankful that they changed it and the dog didn't die <laughs> <laughs> um and then i thought it was also interesting um that l throws the door at the agents and they are just rolling on the floor in pain as opposed to killing them which is what it looked like very clearly what she looked like she did in the show yeah like so, why did we why did we cut back there <laughs> yeah so um and then we also we don't have the scene that is in the show about the kids you know arriving to Merkwood at first so then we kind of wrap things up with act five and that is pretty much entirely the beach party. Um, Barb has been abandoned. Nancy and Steve have sex right there on the beach. Um, so they're not they're not doing, as I mentioned, the strip studying in a room. Barb goes back to her car. She hears the radio static. The window shatters and she disappears. Then before we go back to there, um, we get, which I thought was a cute little moment of Jonathan riding up on his moped back home. Not <laughs> the, the moped. House. Jonathan arrives on his moped, and then in parentheses it says "room" in all caps, which I just oh thought was, no, it's really funny. Um, 
And so then the show ends right after that with the Will phone call um, when Joyce answers the phone and she kind of hears Will through the phone and then the kids see Elle in the woods and boom, that's where the show ends. But the script goes back to the beach. Um, we see Barb with her ears and nose bleeding. There's nobody else there. And it's kind of described as kind of a weird situation where she can kind of hear things and kind of see things, but nobody's there. So that's obviously a precursor to the upside down. Upside down. And then she sees the demo dog walk by on all fours or the, or the monster walk by, you know, one of which is on all fours. Then we get to Merkwood and Elle is racing right at the kids and they see her and then there's the low growl and the rumble and all that kind of stuff. And then you know, we also see that Mike and Joyce and Jonathan and Hopper all also hear the growl. Then the camera zooms out and then you see Camp Hero and then you see a blue light flash. And that's where the script ends. So not a that whole makes me lot think of big that, differences, but certainly enough that, you know, it's kind of but fun. That makes to, me think that the show was going to operate in the upside down for the rest of that season. Certainly more than it did. Yeah, I think. You know, I having Barb there, you know, very early on before it's even explained by the kids or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we would have had to see, you know, what happens with, you know, Shepard and all that kind of stuff in the in the subsequent episodes. But yeah, I, th I think, you know, it was going to be a much more darker show, a much more violent show, a much more bloody show, a much more profane show and a much yeah. more bigger picture conspiracy theory and craziness with growls and rumbles and blue lights flashing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I feel like they went the right route because yeah, that would have isolated a lot of their audience. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so any other general thoughts or do you want to just go and go right into the emails or let's, let's get into some emails. Alrighty. <laughs> Okay, I'll take the first one. It is from Nathan. Nathan says, hello, strangers. I love seeing the original vision and the similarities and differences. It just makes you realize how amazing the writing is to be spot on with some of the characters they created so early on. It is also interesting. If you look for it, you can see a lot of different ideas or themes in a character that weren't necessarily discarded, but were switched to different characters, i.e. Lucas and Dustin switched, who looks in on Nancy or who gets bullied. Lastly, please announce another Zoom talk. Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> yes, Nathan. Well, Nathan, it's Nathan in the has works. been very persistent, and Nathan will be happy once we get to the end of this episode. So Keep stay listening, tuned, Nathan. and we'll get there. So, All right, next one's from Ellie. Hey, Colin and Whitney, how are you? I'm good, although I've got end-of-terms exams. I don't really have any news, except that in March I'm going on a school trip to Athens and another city, so that's going to be fun. Okay, show the show Bible and pilot episode that was so interesting. Like, what do you mean, Lucas Conley, Erica Conley? No, thanks. Also, I'm so glad we didn't get that scene with Lucas looking into Nancy's room and that conversation afterward. I much prefer Dusty Bun's pizza scene. And speaking of Dustin, I noticed he actually did have a father originally, so I wonder what happened there. And Barb just sitting in the car and getting taken. Yes. There's a lot of like, is it conjecture? Am I using that word correctly? Sure. About dustin's father because oh, really? it wasn't yeah because i want to say that somebody i don't know maybe they made this up i need to look into it well did we know benny's last name well and, and that was the thing i didn't mention it but i had it in my notes it was it's benny hammond and it's referred to as benny hammond several times in the script except for when his character is introduced when he's introduced as benny henderson 
is the oh, proprietor of Benny's fishing fry. But the but the rest of the time he introduces himself to L as Benny and, and to social services as Benny Hammond and in the show he's Benny Hammond. So I think it was just because there were some typos in there that I didn't talk about. Um, I guarantee one, that's at, what it is. Then. At one point, you know, the scene took said Dustin's room, but it was obviously clearly Mike's room, you know, for example. So yeah. there, there were some typos in there. Um but yeah, I, I think that was that was more of a typo than anything. So uh never mind. Yes. Who knows what happened to Dustin's dad? Ellie says also Jonathan originally had long hair. Yes, yeah, said dark hair to his shoulders, as that was as described. And Ellie goes, Why? And the pilot made me like Benny even more than I originally did. And the campaign going on for seven hours instead of ten. Ten was much better. Also, what's a Long Island accent like? I don't have a clue. And the pilot said Joyce had a strong one. So I went through mm-hmm. and I looked, and I'll post a link to this too. But here's here's Long Island accent. When I'm out of New York, they know exactly where I'm from. Coffee. Water. Mall. Talk. Mother. Water. Coffee. 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 That's an interesting one. Long Island people like to drink coffee, shop at the mall, walk their dog, and swim in the water. Long Island. Long Island. Yes. So that's a Long Island accent. So yeah, you can kind of think Marissa Tomei and my cousin Benny. Water. That's kind of the... My biological clock is ticking like a bomb <laughs> over here. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a long. They're not going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ellie says. Also, notice the X Men was a different number too. Yeah, the comic I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, at this point, I'm just listing different things I saw that were different. So I'm going to stop and let other scoopers talk. Bye from Ellie. Bye, Ellie. All right, next up we got Harry. Harry says, "Hey, Whitney and Colin. I hope you guys are keeping warm and or dry." It's cruel of you to pick a topic that has so much meat in it and ask you to keep your raw comments brief. Listen, we get a lot of emails, Harry. <laughs> we don't keep them brief, so we're you're good. I guess I'll treat this as a challenge that I have no hope of meeting, but I'll try, I promise. Regarding the Bible, it's comforting to see how many ideas had to fall away before the Duffers could transform Montauk into Stranger Things. And these were these were ideas that they thought were strong enough to show producers. Let's just say I'm glad that Scott Clark is not the Indiana Jones of Hawkins, Indiana. Yes. Although I would 1000% watch that show. I'm also glad that they changed Lucas from a loudmouth who gets into arguments with his friends because his family's coming apart into the common sense kid we get in the series. Also, for literally years, I've seen online co- online comments from people who hate the later seasons and wish the Duffers had made the anthology show. I always assumed they were talking about something like Fargo, but it turns out the Duffers were just planning to set season two 10 years later and recast all the characters. I can only imagine how people would react to seeing someone new playing Steve in season two. Yeah, it wouldn't. No, it'd be terrible. Yeah, that'd be awful. <laughs> Finally, Winona Ryder absolutely owns the role of Joyce Byers. She's fantastic, but I still get all moon-eyed thinking about a Stranger Things with Naomi Watts in that role. Now, I could see Naomi maybe because she was in the ring and she did so well in that creepy. Yeah. Oh, I love Naomi Watts. She's great. The Impossible, yeah. she was fantastic in that too, which was amazing. As for the script, I'm glad they cut back on Joyce's aggression and profanity. I'm not a prude when it comes to cursing, but too much is the equivalent of screaming all the time. I totally agree. I can't say yeah. when chose cuss for no meaning, yeah. for no reason. Um... I've lost my spot in the email. It doesn't leave you anywhere to go. Speaking of which, the Montauk version of Steve would make Billy back away, palms raised. One of the things that's interesting is the way they changed Nancy's introduction. In this show, she slams the door in Dustin's face when he's offering her a slice of pizza. It's not the most sympathetic choice, and I didn't like Nancy very much after that. She had to win me over through the rest of the season, which she did. Not that I would have eaten a slice of pizza that had been grubbed around by 12-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Still, she could have been nice about it. In the script, the door slam is much more sympathetic. 
since little Lucas is giving her the peeping Tom treatment. They keep the sl- they kept the slam, but changed the reason for it, making the kid more likable and Nancy less. Harry, she was a teenage girl. She did not want to mess with her brother's. Yeah, friend. I kind of I kind of took it exactly the other way. Actually, I like Nancy more in the show than I did in in the in the script. I yeah, think. yeah, because she was just so rude and so loud, you know, which is understandable. Um, yeah, but it was like slamming the door and get out of my room or whatever she says, yeah, or something like that. So yeah. She's uh, 100%. That's how my brother and his friends would have treated me and my friends. Like, oh, sure. She doesn't really come full circle with that moment until the snowball two full seasons later. Smart choice. Thanks for doing the show. Best Harry in Seattle. Thank you, Harry. Next one is from Eve. Hey, Colin and Whitney, I'm back. And thank you for the birthday wishes. Much appreciated. Right. First off, my Stranger Things haul from Christmas and my birthday. I got the Eddie Funko Pop, the one with his guitar on the upside down, and it's so cool. I also got season four, episode 111, a color change season two glass from the arcade and a Hellfire Club graphic light for my room. Other presents included pretty much every book by Veronica Roth, um, which is amazing. She's literally my idol. So fantastic to have all her books. We actually, she sent pictures, so we'll, we'll post a link to those on the socials so you guys can see. Um, Eve's Christmas and birthday haul. And then she says, Spain was amazing and the New Year's party was wild. I'll attach pictures of those. We'll also include those. Right now I'm caught up on two months. Right now that, right, now that I've caught up on two months onto the episode, one of the many changes that stood out to me with the show Bible and the pilot script of the fact that was the fact that Brenner didn't actually exist. It was just nameless agents changing, tracing 11, which I think is crazy. When someone says Stranger Things, everyone's minds go to the lab first and the people say, oh, is that the show with the girl in her lab and her dad? To think that we could have had Stranger Things with multiple Brenners chasing Elle is totally wild. Admittedly, I'd be curious to see how they did her backstory, though, with 10 agents instead of one. Yeah, maybe there's an agent for every kid. So there have been like 13 agents. Yeah. An honorable mention to the fact that Steve Harrington was barely mentioned in the Bible and maybe we'd never even gotten to meet him. Yeah, it says in the Bible, Nancy's first fling with Steve, a popular teen, leads to heartbreak and humiliation. So there's no well, real guarantee. Well, Steve was that... never supposed to last in the show. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, um, that was never, that wasn't really, that didn't, they didn't really change that. Uh, Joe Keery came in and was like, wait a second. Yeah. You guys are going to love I'm cool. Me. <laughs> Make the show around yeah. me. <laughs> uh, uh, and then Eve says, um, that's like making Stranger Things without Eleven. Steve is the heart of the show. <clears throat> Imagine if we had never met him. I don't think I could watch the show without King Steve. Anyway, appreciate this seriously long email. I have some catching up to do. Still reading that pilot script was amazing. How you found it, I have no idea. That's done. That's me done for this episode as usual. Thanks for the podcast. Love, Eve. Thanks, Eve. Yeah. Next up, we have a new emailer, Lauren. She says, hey, y'all, my name is Lauren Berger. Berger, 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 Berger. Let us know, Lauren, so we can get your name. However, however, we say it, Lauren B. And I first just want to say that I love your podcast. I was way late to the game and watching Stranger Things, as in I didn't see it for the first time until this past March. I've now watched the entire show through five times since March 2023. Oof, this show is incredible. Easily <laughs> my top three of all time. I wanted to write you because as I was watching the show, I personally started to notice the parallels between Stranger Things and the Harry Potter series. I'm a huge nerd and love both franchises a whole lot. I'm not sure if y'all are Harry Potter fans. Lauren, I used to go to the midnight book releases for Harry Potter. Like, I would wait in line outside (laughs) of a bookstore to get my Harry Potter fix. Um, So she says, I thought a really intriguing episode could be processing through the parallels between, wait, between the two franchises, i.e. Voldemort and Vecna, good versus evil, Will and love will and harry will and harry and how each have a connection to the respective antagonists 
overarching themes of love slash friendship slash loyalty slash sacrifice, etc. A sword being used to destroy a monster, drawing on past memories to access power, etc. You could also consider talking through some differences, i.e. Eleven escaped a life of being forced to use her supernatural powers, while Harry escaped a life where his powers were suppressed and unknown to him. Regardless of it, if an episode like this would be up your alley, I just wanted to say thank you for all your hard work you put into your podcast. When I'm listening, I feel like I'm right there in the room with you guys laughing, chatting, processing, and theorizing, of course, while enjoying some Scoops Hoy ice cream. Your pod <laughs> is a blast, and I'm already stoked for more content as we barrel towards season five. Also, I forgot to mention I live in Louisville, Kentucky. <gasps> You're so close to me. Yay. Whitney, that's wild to me. Your husband biked across Louisville as a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, wait, this reminds, and she says also my youngest sister is a sophomore at UK in Lexington. Well, well that's cool. That's amazing. Yeah. But the other day we were sitting there and we're sitting downstairs and the we were watching, Mike and I were watching Clash of the Titans. And okay. I said, I, used, I remember seeing the original one when I was little. My brother used to love it. And Mike said, I think that was the first movie I saw in the theaters by myself. And I was like, what? Like solo by himself or like without adult supervision? Him and his friend. That movie came out in like, I don't know. We have to look. It's like 78, 79, I think. Something like that, yeah. Mike was born in 1974. So I was like... Hmm. I feel like your parent, okay, so he would have been seven. I was like, yeah. I feel like your parents wanted you to get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, it came out, uh, yeah, June of 1981. Which means he would have been six yeah. at the time, not even seven. And him and his friend biked to a movie theater, bought their tickets, and went, can you imagine? Okay. I'm like, were the ticket takers not like, uh, where's parents? Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, it wasn't R, but yeah. See, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you, Lauren. I cannot wait to show my husband this email. So. Yeah, there you go. Cool. All right. So that does it for emails from the episode. We had a couple last minute kind of unrelated to the Bible and script uh, emails we'll go through and then we'll talk about what's coming next. Yeah. So first up, we've got Cash. They say, hi, my name is Cash. And this is a stupid thing, but I wonder if the Duffer Brothers are going to come out with some more series on more weird stuff that's happened. Stay a stranger thing. Well, they're doing... Those are your notes. So they're doing yeah, they're doing, they're doing the talisman. Um, they already did Death Note. Yeah, um, and then the Stranger Things, play. and then whatever the Stranger Things spinoff that that Finn Wolfhard has figured out, but none of us have yet. But we assume it's the anime or whatever. <laughs> and if they, uh, if they really did do Wayward Pines, that's like the first two seasons are good. Then it really falls off. But I mean, yeah, it's let me good... check that because I, I I could have sworn they had a role in there somewhere doing it. I never watched it, but I know. Not that they wrote an episode or let's see, wrote, 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 wrote. They let's see, they wrote episode five, six, nine. So that and show's 10. based on a set or a series of books by Blake Crouch. Okay. Yeah. They they co-wrote a couple episodes with Blake. Um, they never directed an episode, but they did some they did some writing for it. They wrote like four or five episodes i think so yeah yeah i mean it was in the blake crouch he's got some really good books and the first couple seasons are really good so and they're okay. very supernatural government experiment type things okay cool yeah i got the idea it was kind of twin peaksy but i never i never watched it for uh, reason, so 
sort of it really fell off in the second season okay yeah but it got canceled and then it went away so all right last email is from queen in new hampshire ahoy colin and whitney and all scoopers at sea sorry i didn't take the time to read the montauk materials this path month i'm afraid i may only be partnered but rest assured i have plenty of old business to tackle first something has stuck in my head since i first listened to your episode on season three episode eight the battle of star court since you originally posted it two years ago in january of 2022 god have we been at it for this long uh, mm -hmm. Now seems as good a time as ever to bring this up. You suggested that the Todd father was a Chrysler LeBaron, but it was not. It was actually a Cadillac convertible. And you had wondered why Steve was so taken with the car since he drives a BMW. I don't know how well or how popular BMWs were back in 1985, but the Cadillacs were definitely top of the line. And if Steve knows anything about cars, he would have known it had a much larger and much more powerful engine than his BMW, which is probably also why he thought it could make it all the way up to Weathertop. Not sure why that piece of information stuck with me, but I did. So I guess I'm a real nerd after all. Also, from the same pod app, you talked about Petey the Mall Cop. Remember, Steve mentioned something about how is Petey the Mall Cop going to repel in and save everybody? And we were questioning if if that was a real person or not. Um, no, and Quinn wasn't. says, yeah, his suspicion was uh, it's always been since Pete worked for Starcourt. Maybe he was also a Russian agent. Um, but said also it could have just been Steve making a funny line, you know, saying Petey the mall cop. I think it was, it was like a, a joke in general, like, oh, yeah. Petey the mall cop, since balls have cops. Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, another open item from season three is the argument between Jonathan and Nancy in the car after they get fired from the Hawkins Post. For my part, I found the Hawkins Post internship storyline to be insufferable and didn't really care much about it. But I did think this argument was a good piece of writing. Nancy has it rough being a woman in a man's world and Jonathan on his back foot economically. So it would have been more difficult for him to bounce back from the situation. It was a great piece of character exploration in the midst of an otherwise tedious plot line. Kudos to the Stranger Things writers. And well, why, why not another thing from Street, uh, from season three? In chapter one, they show the mall's effect on downtown Hopkins, but one of the businesses they show empty and unused is a laundromat. How the hell would the mall affect the utilization of a laundromat if you had to run across a mall with a laundry service of any kind? Or was it the low, low prices on washers and dryers and sears that did it in? Suppose we'll never know, but I thought it was very curious. Also, a couple leftover Hopper thoughts from last month. First, I get that season three Hopper was mostly written for effect. They wanted tension between him and Mike over L, but I still don't think that they suggested Hopper could do this heart-to-heart -heart talk. I mean, it's one of the last things we saw from him in season two, his exchange with L in the truck on the way to close the gate. He is perfectly capable of getting into an emotion into the emotional weeds with her. Then again, perhaps the new teenage L with a boyfriend made it more difficult for him. I don't have kids, so I don't have that frame of reference, but if my sister in her teenage years is anywhere near within the bell curve of teenage girls, I suppose I could believe that. Regardless, if Hop's letter at the end of season, end of the season is a trade-off for his enduring misrepresentation of his EQ, I'd have to admit it was definitely worth it in the long run. Second, and I suppose this also goes with the questions we want answered at from November, who is the chief of Hawkins PD in season five going to be? Do they fire Powell and give the badge back to Hop? How the hell do they explain Hop's reappearance after dying in the Starcourt fire? That was already a flimsy, clever story to begin with. But since there's a gaping hole in the center of town now, I suppose Hopper strolling back into town is the least of their potential inflow leaks. So that brings me full circle. Who's the chief of police going to be? Is Hopper just going to go rogue? Pal. And be it's Batman be to be Chief Powell's Commissioner Gordon. I look forward it's to seeing It's going to be Powell because it, it's it's a lawless land at this point. It is. It's a, like, it's a it's, gonna, There it is no the, law. <laughs> makes the Badlands look like civilization at this point, right? Exactly. We're talking Mad Max. <laughs> right. And then he says, five. <laughs> uh, finally, just a couple more bits of music um, that, you know, going back to our 80s music episode, he said he wanted uh, Ordinary World by Duran Duran. But I won't 
Quinn says the chorus fits with both trying to subdue the upside down and find an ordinary world and Eleven's search for a normal, ordinary life. Next, he says, Love Rain Over Me by The Who. He says it's from 1973, sure, but it would fit well with an emotional and pivotal scene. It also fits well with one of my theories of season five that we can and will get into later. Next, he says One Good Woman by Peter Cetera from the 80s. says i'm not sure this needs explanation it just goes to prove what one good woman can do yeah that but it came out in 1988 so but you know they're kind of fluid with times and stuff anyway mm -hmm. uh next he says venus by banana rama which was a big hit in the 80s Like the guys in the Saturday Night Live skit. Um, when I that's what song is that? What year did that come out? <laughs> Venus. Uh, I thought you'd have it right in front of you. you don't. Yeah. Um, I think I think it was like 85, 86. Okay, so I was like six years old the first time I ever heard that song, and I can yep. remember playing it in like in my like Walkman, like the yellow. I would put my headphones on, and I would yep. like strut down our hallway because like i didn't know what i didn't know what it meant the school like, hallway or your house hallway no my house hallway okay because i would and i was like i don't know what this song means but it makes me feel like i am hot stuff yeah and so i am going to <laughs> strut up and down this hallway like i am somebody there you go uh and quinn says do we do i really think any of my song suggestions over these last three months have a shot appearing in season five which is supposed to be which is supposed to be straight out action as enzo might say i give it a thousand to one but the music is in my wheelhouse so i could keep keep doing this all year and he also asked and i forgot to actually um put these in the spotify playlist and i'll put his ones from last week uh, last uh, episode in there too oh so yeah we'll put those in uh then finally he says also since colin is such a huge nxs fan i expect he's heard bonnie Raitt's cover of need you tonight yes i have so slide over here and give me a moment. Your moves are so wrong. I've got to let you know. I've got to let you know. You're one of my kind. It, I mean, if you're going to cover a song, that, that's a good way to do it. It's not as good as the original, obviously, because no, I'm a huge success fan, right. but yeah. Um, catch you later, dinguses, says Quinn. Fair winds and following seas from Quinn in New Hampshire. And that does it. That does it for this for episode. This so, yeah. For this episode. Maybe Ooh. forever. I don't know. I'm just kidding. We'll be back. <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> long week, long month, long couple yeah. years. Yeah. And why is why does January seem like it's like eight years long? Oh, I know. It just takes forever, doesn't it? February yes. does too. Yeah. February is always so cold and so miserable. So yeah. <clears throat> okay. So we will be back on February 29th, leap day. So that should be easy to remember. And mm -hmm. we're going to go back to our influence episodes. And we're going to talk about how Stephen King's body of work have influenced. We actually already talked about it up at the top of this episode. So everything from Carrie to Firestarter to it, to stand by me to all of those things. 
they're all available on streaming platforms. Some are free, some aren't. And I'm sure you guys have seen a lot of them already anyway, um, or at least familiar with the story. So get us your emails on how you think Stephen King's stuff influenced Stranger Things um, by Sunday, February 25th. And we will get those on and ready for the Big Leap Day show. So woo But bigger news, I'm assuming. All right, is, Nathan. Yeah, here you go, Nathan. Um, we're going to try to do or, or gauge the feasibility of doing another Zoom episode. Um, so our thought is last time we did it kind of in the evening, which cut out pretty much all of Europe. Yeah. Um, so we were thinking maybe if we did one kind of around the noontime area on either Saturday or Sunday, March 23rd or 24th. So that would be noon for people like us and Doug and Caden and Jason and those guys, you know, the Toronto Buffalo crowd, that okay. kind of stuff. Nine o'clock in the morning on the West Coast. So people like Harry and Luca, then 11 o'clock central for Nathan and Quinn. <laughs> uh, and then for the Europe folks, that would be, I think, five o'clock um, in England. So for Eve and Esme and that crowd. Six o'clock for Central Europe. So Stefan and Ronia and those guys. Seven o'clock for Ellie and you know anybody in kind of the Eastern Europe uh, time zone. Um, Maya, we haven't heard from you lately in Dubai, but you know that'd be kind of eight o'clock your time. And then Harriet's always going to be kind of the odd person out here because she's just so far on the other side of the world. Oh, he <clears throat> so I'm I was trying to figure out a way that we could maybe make it happen, and I I just don't logistically with yeah. us being 14 hours time difference from you how we yeah could. but harriet if you would if you if you're hearing this and would like to you know send in a video clip or an audio clip or something like that asking a question posing a theory talking about anything stranger things throwing out a topic for discussion we would obviously love to hear that so um that's uh that's the thought for now so look at your calendars and I know it's kind of a ways off. It's like two months from now or almost two months from now. But we're thinking somewhere Saturday, Sunday, March 23rd, 24th, around noon Eastern time in the U.S. So figure out your own time zone from there. Let us know if that works. Um, we'll, we'll try to, you know, if we need to adjust an hour here or there or something like that. But that's kind of what we're looking at. So let us know and we will go from there. And hopefully um, we will see you February at the end of February for the Stephen King influence. And then at the end of March. We can get as many people as possible on a Zoom call and just have a grand old time talking Stranger Things. So Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can always email us at scoopsahoypod at gmail.com or you can find us on social media. We are at scoopsahoypod on Facebook and Twitter. We also have a fun little Discord if you want to just jump in and chat with some people. Um, it's a lot of listeners from here and they've always got some good stuff going on. So the link to that is pinned at the top of our Twitter and Facebook pages if you want to do that. And as always, I want to thank everybody for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Stranger Things audio clips and official score are the property of Netflix. Incidental music by Blue Mount Score from Pixabay.